Here's a place where all of us can be safe. Our stories of transformation can be safe, and all the things we want to research are safe here. This is Safe Space with Cheyenne. I'm really excited you're here, and I hope you stick around for a while, because I've got a lot to show you before I leave Earth. I love you guys. Welcome back, all of my friends. I hope you're having a wonderful day, and thank you for choosing this episode on whatever work day, road trip, or leisurely walk that you're having. So I have Nancy Major today. She is the best-selling author of a book titled A Wretch Like Me, A Modern Day Mary Magdalene. Magdalene or Magdalene, I guess that's however you want to pronounce it. Saved by grace. Uh, I was so lucky to be introduced by this woman, have a very enlightening conversation about her story. I really wanted to bring her to you today so she can personally dive into the story, but also what she's doing to help women struggling with shameful parts of their past that they thought that they would bury down deep forever. So Nancy, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks so much for having me, Cheyenne. It's wonderful to be with you and your guests. I really look forward to it. Like I was telling you before, I, I did as much of a deep dive as I could on your just your work in general with what you're doing now, but also you promoting your book and your story. And the first thing that I get, um, and I know that you said this in the description of the book, is just I never thought that I would have the courage to come out with this truth and this story and own it and heal from it and then go out and help other people. And I felt the exact same way as I was like reading the description of the book. I was like, (gasps) you know, you put yourself in like your shoes and I'm like, what would I do? And even the trailer, the like two minute trailer you have, the same thing. I was like, I... I can I not that it's my story at all, but if I were you, I probably would have done the same actions after all of that happened, which I know we'll get into a little bit of that story anyways. But I just have to say, like, good job for powering through, especially all those really dark, dark emotions that we truly just feel helpless with. Thank you so much. It is really a challenge to share Um, things that we think that we have buried so far down or deep. And this wasn't my first choice. This was certainly not a story I ever thought I would have the courage to tell. And to finally come out and own it and share it with everyone, I think that for me, what I feel God has called me to do is to do exactly that. By sharing my story, by owning my truth, I am able to open up a safe place, a safe way for people, a vehicle, so to speak, for people to share their stories and also to learn from some of the things that I've learned um, in their recovery and their journey back to resilience, back Mm -hmm. to um, who they really were meant to be. So you work with women now. Talk to me about what it's like to work with you now, and then we can definitely backtrack into how you became who you are today. Sure. Well, I think that any of us, I think in life, you know, we have trials and tribulations. We have difficulties. We have times that really um, make us question everything um, about life, about ourselves. And sometimes certain things in life can really be triggers that can bring you back to a place 
where you really thought it was buried, that you were good, it mm-hmm. was over, you're healed, it's over, you're done, or you've just forgotten about it, you don't want to talk to anybody about it, um, anything that might have happened in our past. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really common story. And so a lot of the women who reach out to me today um, to work with me as a Christian coach, it's really giving them that vehicle to breathe and mm-hmm. to have a safe person that they can share their truth with and then also to start building in some strategies and some techniques to help them heal through that because it isn't that I am um, specifically able to heal anybody, right? But mm-hmm. I'm a vehicle. I'm a, mm-hmm. a, a transference uh, kind of thing, A vessel right? or a conduit? Is that a, a good conduit, way to say That's a better word. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, a conduit to healing. And I think that it's really important for the women that I work with to have someone with the same sort of lived experience. I think it would be really difficult to share some of the especially sexual shame and mm-hmm. trauma and abuse backgrounds that a lot of people that I work with have struggled through with someone who's maybe read about it in a book but has never actually lived through mm-hmm. it and recovered, come to the other side. Um, I think it would be a very different story. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of one of the things that I offer today is being able to work with people. It's an honor, and I feel really privileged to be able to do it, that I'm entrusted with some of the really scary things, um, really traumatic things that have happened to people, and how it's keeping them stuck today. That's the key, mm-hmm. is trying to figure out, okay, what triggered the memories? What triggered this need to get through this now? And then um, how do we heal past it so that they can go on with life feeling empowered. Yeah, not feeling held back by things that they did or experience that was or wasn't their fault. Right. Um, Trauma is trauma. It doesn't matter whose fault it is, right? True enough. Yeah. Um, How, I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself, but I still just want to ask this question now. Um, There's a big piece of like forgiving yourself. Like it's like forgiving yourself for knowing what you did and didn't know at the time. Um, what were the first steps for you in forgiving yourself? And I would really be lying if I said that that part came easy. Um, Mm -hmm. It took years, years of working through, for me, a faith journey. So I understood from an intellectual point of view that God forgave me, Mm -hmm. that I had received grace and his forgiveness. How that ended up being internalized and actually felt in my life that I could um, walk through the rest of my journey feeling truly forgiven um, was something that was a process. And it took a long time, actually. I I think it's true of most uh, of us that we tend to be our harshest critics mm-hmm. and we tend to beat ourselves up worse than probably anyone else, but yet we think that the world will just absolutely run right over us if they knew, Mm -hmm. if they really knew the truth. And so we hide and we put on this sort of false front. And I did that for a really long time. It was what I would call my armor. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I would get my armor on for the day, kind of the way you do with your hair and your makeup and all your stuff. Mm-hmm. And included in mine was this sort of perfect package, right? It would be very um, poised and calm, cool, collected, a business persona, um, someone who had it all together, someone that was totally in control. And that would be my armor for the day and keeping everyone at arm's length. Um, They couldn't get too close because they might possibly find out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Somehow they'd smell it, they'd they'd guess it, uh, they'd figure out my secret and what I was most terrified of. And so it was really a long process. I would say it wasn't something that happened overnight, but Mm -hmm. I was really fortunate to work with some really um, wonderful healers, uh, conduits of healing, Mm -hmm. people of faith that really um, helped me understand more about embracing um, my identity truly as a Christian and what God says about me is really all that matters. Mm -hmm. And if he says, I forgive sin and remove it as far as the East is from the West, he means it. That's powerful. So did you wake up every day? Like, I understand the armor. I think that is a extremely relatable thing, whether you're trying to hide a huge secret of your past or just even trying to hide your authentic self because you feel like it won't fit in, right? Um, right. But as you're in these times, you're getting ready for work every day, knowing you're keeping people at arm's length. Um, would it just like cyclically like come back like a horrible inner voice like I know what you did they're gonna find out they can never know how dare you oh so I'm so full of shame like just all of these nasty nasty thoughts coming up to attack you during your day yeah pretty much on a daily basis there are little tiny micro triggers Mm -hmm. um, that happen throughout the course of just any given day any slight criticism Um, And it would be even if it was something deserved, right? Like it was some little mistake that I made that somebody would bring to my attention. It was felt as if um, I had had been hit by a Mack truck. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just a slight mistake that they were calling to my attention or bringing something to me that perhaps they disagreed with a point of view or a direction that I was moving in. Instead of being able to pause and really accept that as an external thing, I took it inward as they knew, they had to know that I was secretly so flawed and so messed up, there was no way, what they were saying to me was my worst nightmare, that, Mm -hmm. you know, I was truly being identified or called out. And so these little triggers would happen throughout the course of any given day. It could be my husband, it could be um, a colleague, it could be a presentation I was giving and someone in the audience, you know, a a question would come out that would be probably very innocent, but I would pick up, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like I had this antennae of looking for, because I think when you're always guarded like that, Mm -hmm. you're always looking for or listening for the slightest um, hint that someone is onto you, mm-hmm. they're onto your secret, or they're you know aware that you are indeed a flawed, real human being, and you make mistakes, and that was unacceptable to me. Absolutely, um, that idea was unacceptable to me. That it had to be perfect, or 
I was, I, I mean, to me, it felt like um, I was damned, mm-hmm. just damned to an existence of life of, you know, just a complete sense of apartness, separateness from the rest of the world. And that's probably the saddest part to me when I work with women today is the loneliness, mm-hmm. just the severe sense of separation from the rest of the world. And they could be in a room full of people. They could be in their living room with their loved ones and feel this tremendous sense of isolation and loneliness and brokenheartedness because they are not healed. And that is kind of how I existed for a really long time before I started to find recovery and find healing. And I think that was uh, a lot of it for me came across. Um, I was probably very uh, curt, abrupt, uh, short, you mm-hmm. know, this is the answer. That's it. Okay. I'm turning around going, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the very drill sergeant um, sort yeah. of oriented type A, I guess you would say. <laughs> yeah. The armor makes a lot of sense um, for sure. Especially if you don't want to, you know, you're harboring this, thing that you don't want anybody to find out about you. So I can imagine that just being, and then the fact that you said that you felt damned, like no matter what you did for the rest of the existence, you, you had already done it wrong. Right. And right. in the black, white sense of things. And yes. I had a moment I can me to this moment, even though it's a completely different story, but I, I think I was about 20 and I just remember feeling like I had just already screwed my life up so bad because I didn't do what everybody told me I was supposed to go do, but I just felt like so disoriented and lost at the time. And I wasn't really doing things to like help me get better. I had really, I had no idea what was going on. I just knew that I was 20 and I wasn't on the same road as everybody else at my age was. And it obviously made me like reflect and look like, oh, like I messed up and now I've screwed up the rest of my life and I don't really know what to do. And it put me in a very, very bad mental state for sure. Um, But I just still, when you said I felt damned, I literally felt the same way at that age. Like I had just screwed up so bad that um for when success was a completely different definition for me, I was probably never going to be successful because I didn't listen to what others told me to do. And, oh, this is the way, this is the way, this is the way. And um, it took a lot of healing to like get away from those extremely depressing and limiting thoughts. Because, I mean, we really all are on our own journey. Like, this is yeah. your story that, you know, you're able to come out and tell people about and I have my story where I really love to just drive home like self-love and self-worth and hey like do not compare yourself to anybody else almost like this is literally your own thing and just like you said like it doesn't matter what anybody anybody says or anybody does like this is a between me and who created me it has nothing to do with your opinion and your your judgment so I think those are really powerful statements because There's so many things that I know we haven't worked through the same um, traumas like that, but we have had, we've had access to almost the same modalities 
where we realize like, oh, I have that insecurity. Oh my gosh, I've had that thought. And there's so many me too movement, especially in like any woman's circle. I think it's so powerful that you do work with women um, that are really trapped by these shameful thoughts because whether, again, whether it's their fault or not, like you don't have to carry that around with you forever. Exactly. You, you touched on so many good points there, Cheyenne. Um, there is so much truth about shame being part of a limiting belief system and how we see ourselves and what we say to ourselves. Even biblically, it says there is power of life and death in the tongue. And what that means is whatever we're feeding our mind, whatever thoughts we're saying internally to ourselves becomes our reality. So it's the self-fulfilling kind of prophecy of the more this uh, tape goes around in your head and it just keeps repeating, I'm damned, I'm unforgivable, I don't belong, people are going to hate me, I can't fit in, I'm not going to be a success. Whatever those critical, damning sort of statements are, we put ourselves further and further and further separate from the true life that we really want to have, which is really we're all created to belong. Mm-hmm. We need belonging. We are a, um, a culture that we, we live and breathe for other people. We're truly, I don't believe, fulfilled unless we are giving of ourselves to others. We give away that which we have. Mm-hmm. How can you truly do that if you're empty? Mm-hmm. Or the vessel itself is so broken that there, it's pouring out. You know, it's, it's cracked and it's got holes all over it. So whatever your good stuff you've got that you're trying to give out to the world is pouring out through all these wounds. And so I think that almost every person I've ever met says that they want to make a difference in the world. They want to be someone that matters, right? Mm -hmm. This is, I mean, we, we say these things. I want to make a difference. I want to matter in this world. I want to be more than I currently think I am. Mm -hmm. And that is where it starts. And so from that point, if you take it just from that point of, I want to make a difference in the world. Well, the best way to do that is to really heal and get healing for yourself because you cannot give away what you don't have and the flawed version of ourselves the, the part that's true of all of us we're all mm-hmm. we all have scars right but if it's a gaping wound that's bleeding out it needs surgery you can't just put a band-aid on it and pretend it's not there and so I think that's what we try to do mm-hmm. i think we try to walk through life with huge gaping wounds that actually require healing, and we don't allow that process. Um, We think somehow that we're just supposed to, well, I think a lot of times our messages are that we're supposed to just get over it. Mm -hmm. Um, And for victims of abuse and, you know, especially of the sexual kind, um, that nature, people who have made mistakes in that way, people who have lived promiscuous you know, promiscuously or have have had relationships that were really damaging to their self-esteem or how they felt about themselves, I think that creates a, an unbelievably intimate kind of shame. Mm-hmm. And it becomes not a mistake I made, but I myself am a mistake. There's a big difference in the way that people process that information. Wow, that was really powerful and so true. And I think really relatable. 
Yeah. I think from all of the people that I've talked to, it just seems like it's what I didn't realize when I was going through it is how many other people were going through it at the exact same time. Yeah. I think that's the best part. I mean, not only about having conversations like this, but about meeting people is you're just like, there's such a relief in a me too moment with somebody. You're just like, you experienced the same, same thing that I did. How did, well, how did you get through it? You know, and then you just, you start giving tips and tricks on how to survive your, your human experience. And that, like, that propels me to, like, go and meet more people and hear more stories and share mine when I feel like, you know, I should. There's so many parts of it. We all have such long stories, especially when we do such healing work. We find the the biggest revelation and the smallest healing moment, (laughs) and we must tell people about it because it's just... It you know, it's, it's just so, so gratifying fun. and amazing and like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was able to experience this level of healing, right? Right. Um, so I love that because oh, I was gonna sidebar into something. Oh, okay. So I went to this retreat one time. Well, it wasn't a retreat, it was like a weekend event thing where they had speakers and stuff talking forever. And there was one part, it was an interactive exercise and there was a piece of paper on there and you had to write the bravest thing that you'd ever done in your life. And then we were all going to stand in a circle and one by one, everybody was going to reveal their piece of paper. And this is a circle of about 65 women. Wow. Yeah. So it was the first time like I'd known the bravest thing that I'd ever done. It wasn't something that I'd still come out and talk to people about because it really still was traumatic for me at the time. Um, But writing it down on the piece of paper, so emotional, so extremely emotional. It was such a moment where like I kept bouncing back to who I was in those moments to the girl writing on the page that day. I was like, I yeah. can't, I can't believe I'm here. Like, it was just one of those moments that made you really think, like, what led me to be here? Oh, thank God I'm finally here. And just writing the bravest thing I ever did was what it did. So I was like, I'm sure I won't be the only one in the group, but this is shame for me because I stayed so long and because I took this so long and because I didn't even love myself enough or even have the awareness at the time to even understand what was going on to me at that age. So everybody starts flipping their pages and flipping their pages and flipping their pages. And, you know, we're crying because we're like super vulnerable, right? It's just like, I can't, I can't believe I'm telling you guys. I'm telling, I'm telling 64 strangers in a sense, in a room, like this is the bravest thing that I ever did. And it's also one of the most traumatic, shameful experiences of my life. But here it is written out on this paper Take me as I am, you know? Yeah. 65 women in the room. 60% of the pages said the bravest thing I ever did was I left. Wow. Including mine. Wow. The crazy thing was... Something. Yeah, so I was there and I was actually a vendor. I was selling um, some of my, like, clothes and tie-dye and, like, refurbished clothes that I do. And there was a jewelry salesman or sales lady next to me that did her own like handcrafted jewelry, super beautiful pieces, wanted to buy the whole table, right? And we had kind of chit chatted back and forth and, you know, had small talk and, you know, how you do. 
And yeah. we were standing directly across from each other when our papers flipped over and we both wrote, I left. Wow. And like, we looked wow. at each other, Powerful. like, yeah, like we just knew each other on a completely different level. There was like a respect level that you had because you, we understood like the depths of our own hell that we had to crawl yeah. out of to not only leave, but break that very toxic connection and then try to survive on our own after like this abuse is all we've known for so long, or even like this perspective, this lifestyle, this mindset. Um, and then like we walked up to each other and we were like, <laughs> you know, just like bawling, like, thank you. Yeah. I was like, thank you so much. Like you're a warrior, you know, and like just yeah. saying all like the amazing empowering things to each other. So then the next year I went back cause it was my friend's event and I always went and sold for it. Her, her mentor was supposed to talk for 30 minutes or something like that. And she ended up having an emergency where she couldn't come. So she uh, comes back up to me and she goes, do you remember last year when we did, you have to write on the piece of paper, this is the bravest thing like I ever did. And I was like, yeah, no, I, I left. <laughs> I'll write it yeah. down and I'll scream it to the rooftops. And yeah. she's like, no, I need you to get on stage and go talk to people <laughs> for about 30 minutes about how you were able to leave. And I was like, wow. I said, um, I'm literally in the middle of retrospecting this and my own like, <laughs> meditations, journaling, like when I can yeah. go sit in front of a spiritual advisor and really just unbind all the things that I was starting to remember. Cause it was like a three year period of like very hazy memories is the best thing I right. can say. Super suppressed, right? Like almost, you knew it happened. You didn't want to go back is the best way I could say. And I sat there and I like grabbed my chest. Cause like one, I have super bad stage fright at the time. Love being on stage, but I'm scared of it at the same time. And I was like, you, that's what you want me to talk about. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And she was like, you can do this. Like, I wouldn't ask you if I didn't know that you could do it. She's like, she get, she's like, you have a podcast. Like, you know how to talk for long periods of time. She's like, come on. I was like, let me, let me just go get, let me go get myself together in the bathroom. So I'm like bawling, walking out of this conference room. I'm scared because stage fright has always been one of the main things to like hold me back from like truly experiencing the things that I want to experience. And I was like, am I really just like going to walk up to her and, and be like, it's too much. I can't do it. I'm too scared. I'm too this. I'm too that. And I was like, no. So I walked in the bathroom and I just had that moment in the mirror with myself. And I was like, here we are, kid. Here we are. She wants you to get on stage. You don't want to once again. How many stages are you going to walk away from? Like, that's awesome. Just go tell them, you know, there's got yeah. to be somebody there. Like, because the crowd had grown like over 65 women from this time. I was like, there has to be somebody in the group that I'm supposed to speak to. So I was just like. All right, guys, tell me what to say. That, yeah. That's all I got. And I just like took a couple of deep breaths. I walked in. She's like, you, you're, you're good. You're going to do it. And I was like, I'm going to do it. So I'm like rolling my eyes because she's like, I got my way. I knew you could do it. And I was like, oh, okay. So I get up there and I have to not only introduce like why we're all going to do the bravest thing I said, but I'm going to be your example. So if your example goes further than this, just know that you're safe. And if your example is, you know, like I just like I lost a hundred pounds. That was the bravest thing I'd ever done. I said, that's a really big feat. I said, so whatever is to you, I said, but here's a little piece of my story. 
And I went on for 30 minutes. I completely like blacked out is how I felt about it. I have no idea what I said, even though I know exactly what I said. <laughs> and I know you know that makes sense from yeah. being a motivational speaker. Yes. And I got and I got off and I was like so relieved. And then I like I did feel a little ashamed that I'd almost like told too much because it was the first time that I'd really got like the nitty gritty details and yeah. really like um what my friend said to me one time, like when you retrospect on things like that, that version of you becomes a stranger to you in a sense, because you don't act that way. You don't think that way. You don't feel that way and you don't speak that way. So okay. it was a tremendous healing moment for me to continuously speak about that version of me because I was like, oh my gosh, like one, I survived, you know, I survived all of it, but okay. I don't identify with any of that anymore. And that's all I've ever wanted was to be healed of that version of myself and be able to be healed enough to tell people from the outside, like, this is what actually happened to me. This is what was going on the whole time. Like when you were judging me and condemning me for acting out and being rebellious and, oh, I'm not walking the path or whatever they wanted to condemn and judge me for. I was right. like, this is what was actually going on with me. And I was still trying to hide it from you. Like takes a lot of effort to wear two masks, you know, one, you can't know what's going on Two, this is who I am. And this is who I need you to believe that I am. So then I went on stage and I was like, here it is. Here it is. And it, I'm sure, you know, the same experience. It really is like a very freeing and gratifying and I had people hug me and reach out to me and I was just like, <laughs> I, I squashed so many fears that day. I was like, I'm, yes. I'm going to go climb a mountain now, guys. Like I can do Bravo. anything after this. Bravo. That is the hardest thing is mm -hmm. to actually, not only are you, um, going through this process of healing inside yourself and working through all the different things. But when you actually start to speak about it, that's something also that I work with women, you know, in my practice today, because I think it's so important for them to get to the point that they are empowered enough to mm -hmm. be able to share their stories mm -hmm. because sharing your stories is part of the healing. Mm -hmm. And I don't care which method you need to do it. Like some people will write it in a letter and share it with somebody. Some people write a book, some people mm -hmm. actually share it on a stage like you did, that sharing our stories is what helps the rest of the world feel not so alone. If you look at the level of brokenness that exists in the world, those are all symptoms. Everything we see every day on the news, everything that we hear about, all of the wounds that are gaping and bleeding out through society all of the suicides, the drug overdoses, all of the alcoholism, drug addiction, and on and on and on. You could go through the list of symptoms all day long. There's a root cause, mm -hmm. and the root cause goes back to what you were just talking about, is this disconnection from who I really am, who I was really truly born to be, the things that have either been done to me or the mistakes I've made that I'm too afraid to own. I'm too afraid to give voice to because it's so dark and I am afraid of the dark. So once you actually get to a place of healing where you can turn the light on 
and the things of the dark no longer scare you mm -hmm. because the light's on. That's true healing. Mm -hmm. And then you really are able to share that with the rest of the world, your community, your area, whatever vehicle that takes for you. Each person is, is different about how that manifests. Mm -hmm. But I think it is so important that we share our stories with each other. Because it's how oh, we I actually too. heal. Well, I've noticed that a lot of people, you know, it's that saying that says, like, hurt people hurt people, but healed people heal people. And there's exactly. not one person that I haven't met that, you know, whether they want to go out and serve humanity in whatever healing modality they right. are passionate about, right? Whether they write a book, motivational speaker, or even just like, I would just love to go volunteer somewhere and help out people like right. less fortunate than me. Um, yeah. That's the switch. And like that connected me back to my inner child. Cause when I was going through all this rebellious phases, thank God I had writing. It was so cathartic. Even when I was like in my most out of mind ways, I would still like put it in a notebook. And it was almost like this voice was just like, your future self will thank you. They yeah. really will. Like you're going to have a lot to, you've, you've really written some stuff down so we can chronologically timestamp all the things that happened. Yeah. Um, I know I am very grateful for that. I actually just started going so through good. them last night and I was like, oh, shy. You know, yeah. it started like the depression started so young for me. It yeah. just came out of nowhere. It was like it was a part of me, even in my younger, younger, younger days. So mm -hmm. just like adding hormones and boyfriends and high school and all of that stuff on, it, it was truly like a struggle to me, but I always, I talk about like the Robin Williams complex, right? Cause you know, we sadly lost him. Yeah. Can we? Okay. Recording in progress. So we sadly lost Robin Williams the way we all know that we did. But when you look back at any of his interviews, any of the body of work that he did, he always like wanted to entertain and make people happy. And there's one interview I read, maybe it was after he passed, and he was just like, I always want to make people like feel happy. I don't ever want them to feel like the way that I feel. Like it was one of the first times we had gotten an insight on the it's happiest, nice. funniest man in Hollywood was actually very isolated and depressed and lonely, but his mask was yeah. Robin Williams, you but know? He's, yeah. Yeah, and I was always terrified, especially in my younger years, with the continuation of, like, the negative thoughts and all this stuff going on and the actions and yada, yada, yada. I was like, I do not want to be Robin Williams. Like, I am identifying the suicide ideation from a very young age. I am writing about it. I am having in-depth conversations with this because I know I don't want to die, but I have no idea why this is it just feels like it clings to me and it's like an entity that just wants to rid me of me even though like sure. i wanted to and sure. i know with so many thing. yeah well especially with like shame which is really yeah. when i what i want to go back into especially with you talk talking with all those women shame yeah. and hopelessness and the fear of judgment and condemning coming down just the pipeline into you like there's literally a spotlight on all of your sin is what right. you feel like at the time um yep. how did you how did you counteract those very hopeless moments and thoughts 
And after you're healed, like, how do you coach people when you see that in them as well? To be perfectly honest, I really have to say that it has a lot to do with really solid, mature individuals who had experienced some healing in their lives. And for for my purposes, it was faith-based individuals. It was people who really understood the Word of God and really could revert back to Scripture mm-hmm. and remind me of what God says about each of us, His love, mm-hmm. His forgiveness, His identity, who we are to Him. We're the apple of His eye. He adores us. We are His beloved. We are chosen. We are set apart. We are meant for more. And that the enemy is real. That there is really an enemy. And the enemy sounds like, and it acts like, and it talks like. Well, it was like light bulbs were going off in my head as these wonderful intercessors came into my life. And I feel like they were miracles and and angels, you know, that God just kept putting in my path Mm -hmm. throughout this time. And as I was maturing in my walk of faith and in my journey of that, I didn't know the Bible. I didn't understand all of these things. Like I couldn't quote you scripture. I wouldn't have known what God thought about us or said about us other than the traditional old-fashioned religiosity way and the legalism and the rules and mm-hmm. that for sure I was going to burn in hell. That's all I pretty much knew about a God and a um the rules, I had broken all the rules. Mm-hmm. I was not cut out for this kind of a God that would want me. Mm-hmm. Um, because to me, that was where I, my starting point was. How I walked through that was through the grace of God. And it, it, it really was out of um, a place of such brokenness that I have to tell you, um, the miracles that happened at the time so undeniable that there was no other there there was nothing else and still to this day I can't go back and look at those times Mm -hmm. and tell you they were just all a string of coincidences it was just too supernatural for that there was some divine nature and um, just a, a mechanism a way of things working out for my good in each step of the way. And as I continued on the process, one of the big things that I talk about in my story and in my in in the conclusion when we get to the part of, okay, because my book's not over, right? It's mm-hmm. a memoir, so it's a constant. It's an ongoing, I'm a, I'm a human being, so every day is an ongoing walk, right? Mm-hmm. Whichever path you choose. Um, for me, it's a level of maturity. It, it continues to grow every day that passes and wisdom, gaining insight, learning things, uh, revelations that are being disclosed to me. God continues to reveal things to me. But what it always tends to do is point me back to the mirror. Mm-hmm. And that's been a really interesting process is that in the end, as all things come full circle, here I am looking at myself back in the mirror. And he's showing me gently and with love and with warm embrace, not with hell and brimstone and a a rod and a staff to beat me with. He's just pointing me back very gently to the starting line. Okay, Nancy, let's look at this shame. Let's look at the pain. Let's look at the trauma. Let's look, you know, each Mm -hmm. step. 
and to show me how it then went out into the world, and this is the ugliness that it shows up as. Here's what it looks like. Here's what caused it. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to take that away from you. I want you to see and understand what the enemy's been trying to lie to you about this whole time. And here's what it made you look like out to the rest of the world. All the very things that I was trying to hide, right? Mm-hmm. So here I was trying this whole time to not have anybody look at me a certain way because I was trying to hide all these things. And here I did the exact thing mm-hmm. that I was trying not to be or do. And so this mask that I was wearing... This, you know, false sense, this false identity was so inauthentic and so disingenuous because I'm actually a really loving person. I really um, want to help other people. I want to make a difference in the world and really always did. That's not new. It's just I wasn't able to get in touch with that part of myself that could express itself Mm -hmm. um, in that authentic way that that would truly come out in a in a good gracious loving kind way my favorite thing about like when you're talking as i'm picturing the story of like god taking you up to the mirror and being like look is there's um there's always an unworthiness that takes you further away from your creator right but there's so many people that really do have like a blaming mechanism or a victim mindset about it where they're not able to take responsibility for their actions like that. So the biggest thing that I got about him, um, cause they're like, Oh God, you can't look at me. You can't look at me. Like I'm, I'm just so bad. I'm so bad. But when you're saying, Oh God, you can't look at me. It's, Oh God, I can't look at myself because you gave a very beautiful description of God literally leading you back to yourself and then you're going, oh, no, I can't look. And he's like, yes, you can. He's like, I, I see everything. Like, right. you're not you're not hiding from me. You're hiding yeah. from yourself. So in order to get this connection back where it needs to be, because I love you no matter what you do, yes. you know, you are truly experiencing me in a completely different format that I personally wouldn't choose as a creator. <laughs> right. But... I am looking at you. I've been looking at you the whole time and I've been with you the whole time. I'm here in front of you today because you can't look at yourself and you're blaming everybody else for it. And you're looking outside yourself for the answers that I've instilled within you. And that's what I think is so beautiful about what you said there because that is one of the very, no matter what healing journey you're on, no matter what you've been through, looking in the mirror and being like, I've been the hero and I've been the villain. And, and I've enjoyed being the villain sometimes. And that's something that I had to do to myself. Like my biggest thing now is cultivating a safe space in my show out in the world with my daughter, with my friends, wherever I go, I always want it to be safe. And I want to make sure we all just live as long as we possibly can. Right. But before I got to even do that, like I had to go through a lot of the healing of when wasn't I safe? because I'm so passionate about being safe. How long wasn't I safe? What did that do to my body? What did that do to my nervous system over time? And when wasn't I the safe place? When was I the villain? When, like, was that really her fault or his fault? You know, you really have to like pick through all of those. And it's really hard in the beginning. I still come across stuff to this day that I'm like, oh God, I do not want to deal with this. Like, I'm tired of healing. Yeah. But it is really like, 
truly profound on the other side. Um, Cause like you, I've had amazing spiritual and healing experiences throughout it that there's nobody that would ever be able to explain those away from me. Like they didn't happen to me or they yeah. didn't help me. Right. And I love that you're like, I know this happened to me. I know this helped me. Yeah. This is my direct experience alone. So I'm going to speak about yeah. it. If you don't want to believe it, that's totally fine to move on. Totally. Okay. Mm -hmm. You are free to choose you know, what, what you believe. Yeah. I just can only talk about my gratitude and mm -hmm. the, the depth of love that I have felt since this process has started. And I have never been more embraced by love than at this particular point in my life. It's been incredible because mm -hmm. one of the big things in writing the book the courage when we touch on that in the very beginning mm -hmm. the, the fact that people say it's a very courageous story it, it took a lot of courage to do it and I would agree with that it was definitely the scariest thing that I ever did mm -hmm. was to put it all out and it felt like for for a lot of it it felt like I am literally going to take all my clothes off and run up and down the main freeway of where mm -hmm. I live naked and expose all of it, you know, mm -hmm. guts, warts, the whole ball of wax, and every wrong thing, every, you know, bad mistake, because what I was trying to show through the, through my story was there was a way through. Mm -hmm. It is getting to the other side, but that process of looking in the mirror. So I'm sharing the looking in the mirror part throughout my story, and these are the experiences that I go through in, you know, the revelations and things that God has shown me. And, and really crazy, um, my biggest prayer through the whole time was that I could truly rely on his strength because there is, you know, a verse, a, a biblical scripture that says, um, in his strength, all things are possible. In him, all things are possible. So as long as I wasn't just 100% trying to rely on my own strength and I could actually really embrace and take hold. And I was, I would pray to him, okay, I'm hanging on. I'm hanging on. Don't let me go. Yeah. Go. Right. I need you today, go. bud. <laughs> it was a little bit that way initially. I'm hanging on you mm -hmm. know, for dear life. But it just slowly over this period of time, now it's been out uh, for two months, right? So it was released in early March, and here we are, early May. Um, and when the book uh, came out, I was prepared, like, you know, fully, like, gritting my teeth, like, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm going to get daggers all throughout. And you Yeah, know, grab your pitchforks and your fire. Right, we have to go right. to our house. I was actually really prepared for that, and what God has shown me is is all kinds of love, all manner of love and acceptance and this relatability to the story, to my own experiences. may not be exact, but there's so much relatability because shame is part of our human experience, all of us. It started in the Garden of Eden, if you actually believe biblically, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the very first thing was shame. They hid themselves. Mm -hmm. Because they were ashamed. Adam and Eve were ashamed because they did choose a wrong thing. They made a mistake and they felt the shame of that. And I think the whole process since then has been God just revealing.
revealing it all mm-hmm. the way back to the mirror. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. We're just living it all out, you know, it's, it's all of that. Um, but anyway, I, I just feel really grateful. I'm, I'm really, I feel humbled and honored and blessed to be able to work with women today and help others find their way through that journey because confronting it and looking in the mirror and not running away, that's the other thing I would say because we sometimes will glance, mm-hmm. then we got to run away because yeah. it's too awful. And like, it's oh, I did it. Fault. It's someone else's fault and I'm so determined that it be this other person's yeah. fault. Yeah, it's much easier. And finally, there was a point when God was like, "Nancy, who's the common denominator in all of these scenarios?" So true. <laughs> it's happening like, for you, not to you. I, yes. Yes. Yeah, so it, it's it's kind of I see his humor mm-hmm. um, all over the place. And another part, I just think this is hilarious. So I have. This, I am horribly directionally challenged when it comes to finding my way to different places, right, driving-wise. But I am unafraid to drive anywhere, and I drive like my car is on fire. So I love speed, anything that goes really fast, but I have no idea where I'm going. Only God could make that happen, right? He's just out there laughing his butt off at watching me go like crazy, but I have no idea where I'm going. I... Two am directionally challenged, so it's nice to meet you. We have a support group on Wednesdays where we we talk about how we overcome our fears of knowing where we're at at any time of the day, where we're going, you know. How to get there. Going that way, yeah. Um, And I grew up in a family um, of, like, very directional people, like GPSs were just like, you don't need those, you, you know – main streets and cross streets and blah, 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 blah. It does not matter if I could, it, it, like I, let's see, I'm in Kansas. I originated in Illinois and to this day, I still GPS back home and I've taken the trip hundreds of times and it looks familiar. I know the exit's coming up, but Just to be sure, because I know that one of my true gifts from God is being directionally challenged and just full of wanderlust fever. So I'm like, oh, look, look at this, look at this. And then, damn it, I missed my exit. You know, it's like, happened no matter how long I live somewhere. And I always give a big thanks to GPSs being such a big part of our technology because... I don't know if I would have ever been able to leave because I would have just been lost all the time. Like I would go visit friends and I would just get yeah. lost and I it'd take me a little bit to just oh, yeah. get my bearings. But mm-hmm. yeah, my whole family is, is great. You could drop them in the desert and they'd get to the point. Uh, you drop right. me in the desert, I'm going to like sit and meditate and just be like, please come find me. <laughs> I do not know the way. Another country. Yeah. I would end up in another country. I left to go take a walk from my house. And I live here, right? And I went to go take a walk and got lost trying to find my way back to my main street. Luckily, I already know that could happen to me where I'm at. So I'd like map it out ahead of time. I was like, okay, we can go at least three blocks down before I get lost and I don't know where I live. 
And I have my phone on me, that's fine. But I understand, like, I've made it a joyous (laughs) occasion to just really go, I don't know where I'm at. I have an app on my phone called, where am I? And it will literally just let you know where you're at, bud. Because that's just, that's my thing. Some people have memory loss. Bless you. I love you for that. I don't know how. You lose so many memories because I hold mine so dear, but yeah. I don't know where the hell I am ever. Yeah. And I just <laughs> had to act like it's a party. Else who yes. Me. Yeah. You just, you're just like, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> it's so nice I'm here. Yeah. yeah. Even if I've been here a hundred times, I'm like, wow. I made it. I made it. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody really understands that struggle because they're like, when I was younger, it was really scary to like admit really i'm like scary. i don't yeah. i don't know if this gps fails like the ones back in the day where you had to like yeah. you know like download the maps and like the software right. and all that right, right, right. and if they updated a road and or or god forbid a detour on a road trip oh my, oh, my lord i don't know panic. what i'm doing a complete panic yes yeah. yes um so okay. it's so nice to meet you again we meet on wednesdays <laughs> for the directionally challenged yeah anybody else listening if you're directionally challenged too please email me safespacewithcheyenne at gmail.com I will get you the zoom link so we can all talk about how we never know where we are but we're having a good time (laughs) that's so great um so okay I know that I don't want to give away like your whole book Because I want to read it and I want other people to buy it and read it and really just sit with it, see how it really applies to them. Um, But is there any way that you can just give us a little behind the scenes about the book? Um, Because I definitely want you to give away, I mean, probably as much detail as they could find on Amazon. No nitty gritty stuff. Um, Because I really want to like troll into mentally how you found the courage to speak about it after the events that happened happened sure Mm -hmm. so my story is really um about a desperate single broke woman a single mom who found myself in my third failed marriage and coming out of that um was in a very difficult uh, economic scenario in our country at that time and this was back in 2006 or 2001 when these events occurred. And I was really devastated from that marriage uh, ending and it ended very abruptly. And then I ended up getting lured in uh, into the, a, a dark underworld mm-hmm. of escorting and uh, really didn't understand what I was signing on for. Mm -hmm. Um, The way that it was described to me, the way that it was talked about, um, I felt tricked, really, Mm -hmm. to be quite honest. Um, And in such a way that I um, ended up in an experience that I didn't expect and didn't know how to handle it, didn't know how to find my way out. And once that first experience occurred, I saw myself differently. I thought of myself differently. The shame took on a whole new meaning. Shame in general took on a whole new meaning. And I I really, the only way I can describe it is I, I checked out. I disconnected. I disassociated myself 
from those acts and mm-hmm. had to really become truly uh, like a split personality kind of person where you really truly are this whole other persona. At the same time, I was working in, in the real world, um, trying to run businesses. And I also was a mom and trying to take care of things at my home. And so trying to keep all of those things separate. And it, um, it was really a crazy time. And it took me a long, long time to find my way out. And it was um, not something I, I had no idea how to get out of it. I got outed. I got outed. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a really traumatic way um, by a client who was really bent on revenge. He was angry with me because I couldn't find the time in, in the specific time frame of when he wanted to meet. And so his retaliation, he knew uh, where I lived and where I, I had a business. I owned a business at the time and he knew that I was very well connected. Mm-hmm. And so he sent an anonymous packet out to all business leaders throughout 13 counties. Um, yeah. And completely outing me. As Where did he find prostitute. the information of your past anyways? Do you know that? No, he was a client. He was someone I saw. In like, that oh, a client uh, like that. Back that in the life. day client. Yeah. Got it. Well, okay. I was, I was current. See, I was still escorting. I was, he was one of my So it really, really was point. like a super split life where you're like, it really was. here am I, I was I'm this, this business person, but then you like, yeah. got it. Yeah. I missed yes. that part. That's why I was like, this guy, yeah. you, you done no, moved he, on with your life. But I'm like, no, oh, yeah. you legitimately yeah. got out yeah. of. Okay. I, I, was, I legitimately got outed, not after the fact, but while. While was it was still it. happening. And so the packet was sent out to all of um, the different business leaders, chambers of commerce, business associations, anyone and everyone throughout a 13-county area. And it, um, so a president of one of the chambers in my local community contacted me and asked if I had seen the pack. you know, asked if I had gotten the mail. This was the way the question came out was, you know, have you seen the mail? And I was so busy. I, w- I was running, like, I, I can't even describe to you the, the pace and the level of my life. I didn't sleep, like, for real, didn't sleep. I worked nonstop all of the time. So the little bit of sleep here and there that I got was very uh, messed up. And mm-hmm. so I wasn't... I wasn't kidding when I said to her, I've been so busy, I haven't checked the mail. And I'm thinking she's talking about my business. I owned a business in the restaurant industry, and I was at that shop when she called. So I hadn't checked the mail. I was incredibly busy, which was part of the problem of why I couldn't see this other guy, Mm -hmm. uh, this client. And it was because I was legitimately very busy with my work work and um she said and she sounded weird in in asking me about mail and she sounded weird and I had this really like foreboding feeling Mm -hmm. um that I couldn't explain and she said I really think you need to see it I I think you need to come to my office um I think I I need you I need to talk to you about it 
And so I have no idea what it is, but I have this very negative feeling about it. It's, mm-hmm. like I said, like a foreshadowing, uh, foreboding feeling. So I go to her office, and she escorts me into her office right away. She's expecting me, and we sit down, and we're in a very formal, this is a very formal, you know, president's office. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, she's at her desk, and I'm across from her, and um, she shows me the packet. And the very first line of the packet is Nancy, and my last name is a prostitute, and an escort, and a call girl. Here's what she does. Here's who she is. Here's and and it lists out all of these different facts and things that were kind of irrefutable. He was trying to paint the picture of how this over here relates over here, and there was a lot of proof. It looked, you know, it was very damning. Um, mm-hmm. It was very clear evidence, and I absolutely panicked. Um, it was. The most traumatic experience, I think, one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. I don't remember leaving her office. I have no idea how I got out of there. Mm -hmm. I don't remember much other than finally getting home. My daughter was at school, and I wanted to kill myself. I mean, I was so suicidal. I was so dead serious. I mean, I was, there's no way to recover from that. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew my life was over as I knew it um, my biggest fear was that my daughter was going to find out um, the, the uh, depth and scope of the revealing the the packet I had no idea how far and how wide it had spread I just knew people period so yeah. word of mouth and and just you know, living, I lived in a fairly small community so I, I didn't think it would take very long at all um, and how do you recover from that? And so I was listening to the voices in my head, and, and I really believe it was Satan, and I, I believe he really wanted me dead and was very much trying to convince me that my daughter would be better off without me, that what I had done was unforgivable, um, that I was so shameful, so disgusting, um, that there was no way that I could be... Uh, forgiven. There was no way to recover, uh, to move on from here, to to live. And uh, so I, I started down the, the attempt of uh, overdosing and with some pills that I had. And the pill bottle, I kid you not, it was a childproof container, which, you know, you could say, thank God for those. I hate them. But at this particular moment in time, I was shaking so bad. I was hysterical, sobbing, mm-hmm. you know, the whole nine yards. I mean, I was out of my head. Mm. But I could not get this bottle of pills open. And then, weirdly, uh, coincidence or not, mm-hmm. I kid you not, this pill bottle just kept falling out of my hands. It would roll underneath the bed. I would crawl. I'd get the bottle of pills. I'd get them back into my hands. I'd be opening, you know, trying to open this bottle. They'd go flying out of my hands again. I mean, it was... Like, literally, some force kept knocking this bottle of pills while still closed mm-hmm. out of my hands so that I could not seem to get my hands around this bottle. Because there was no doubt in my mind, had I gotten it open, I would have taken the whole thing. I mean, it would have been over because I was so seriously intent on harming myself. You just wanted it to end. Just to end yeah. the pain. Just I don't to end want to hurt it. anyone. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to stop the pain in of what I thought I was only going to cause more mm-hmm. pain. I mean, there was nothing good coming from me, and I 
really sincerely felt that my daughter would be better off. Um, so, so this thing kind of occurs, and there's there's more in the book. There's a lot of details around what happened. But there's some really incredible, miraculous things that took place during this specific traumatic event mm -hmm. that changed everything, and it was God coming into my life in an undeniable way and showing up and showing out and saying, I've got you, you're mine, um, you're mine, I came here for you, uh, I love you, and I've got you, and you're not alone, and we're, we're going to get through this. And it was um, such an incredible feeling that I, I literally have never been the same. I mean, I didn't just, you know, snap my fingers and all was well. There were consequences to my life, but I never went back to that life. Um, he had burned every bridge that could potentially be there, which was, right, you could think, oh, the worst thing that ever happened in my life when it was actually the best thing mm -hmm. that ever happened in my life. Um, and... And that started me on a different journey and the path going forward. So the book really is the story of what led me into it, the outing, and then sort of my life. Right, <laughs> after the roller coaster afterwards. Like a wild ride. And I'll, I'll just tell you a, a quick little part uh, that's in the book, and I go into more more description about it. But I got to just say this. <clears throat> so it seems to me that Satan or the enemy or whatever deity you want to call that, the dark side, um, definitely will leave you alone as long as you are living in that playground. But the minute you get out and you start living for your creator and living for a higher purpose, holy cow, you have not seen anything until you have been attacked, like, ferociously. Like, mm -hmm. he pitched a fit over the fact that it, that God had intervened in my life. And there were several occasions when I talk about trials and tribulations, some wacko things happen. And not once, but twice, um, my life was literally on the line. Two days into a two-week vacation with my husband, uh, out of the blue, with beautiful, lovely cruise, you know, this high-end cruise. We had decided on the second day to take a jet ski excursion. And I've been on jet skis, ridden Harley all my, you know, gosh, since I was 14, right? Mm -hmm. I'm very well versed in that type of stuff. And I already told you I love to drive anything that goes fast. So it's got to be like I'm driving it like on fire. And so I'm on the water. I'm on this jet ski. Um, and we ride out for an hour in the middle of the ocean, out of country, mind you. Um, and we're an hour out and then... We're with this group, and we turn around to head back, and immediately after takeoff, hit a wave in just the worst possible way, got thrown up in the air, came back down, crashed onto the jet ski, broke my back and my pelvis, had to stay on the jet ski, ride an hour, all, more than an hour, Ow. to get back to the dock. I'm out of country in the middle of this really really not sophisticated country, um, was stranded there for a week, tied down onto a gurney, had broken my back and my pelvis, and could not get airlifted off of this island. It took almost oh. a week. Yeah, so I kid you not when I say 
He has come for me in every possible way. And the fact that I can walk and talk and breathe and move about today, oh. I was like that close to being paralyzed. Um, where I had broke my back and where I had broke my pelvis, it was so uh, critical. And then after being, you know, laid up like that for a week before I could even get flown out. So I had to be airlifted off this island, taken back to an emergency trauma unit. Um to be, you know, have the first surgery, and, and that was on the back, and then that was iffy, wasn't sure how that was going to go, and then didn't even know at the point, at that time, nobody there knew, I didn't know that I had shattered my pelvis, I mm -hmm. broke apart my pelvis, and it wasn't until I was, of course, being me, trying to walk, I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing, yes. and I'm dragging my leg, and I can't, and I'm trying to walk with Walker. I ended up fully in a wheelchair. I was in a wheelchair for almost six months. I mean, this thing took me out. Wow. Um, it was really, really a bad experience. But again, you know, all through it, it's just this thing coming at, you know, uh, trying to take you out. Mm -hmm. That's the way it's felt to me. And there have been many other experiences where, again, God has been like, no, she's my girl. Yeah. <laughs> no, He's my girl. You're protected. And you're protected. Protected. Yeah. Right? Like, and guarded. And and yes, these things happen. I, I believe that there are things that happen, and they happen for a reason. And there are things that are meant for it. You know, the weapon mm -hmm. will form, but it will not prosper. No weapon that forms will prosper. So the enemy, yeah, he can make all the weapons he wants, but he is not going to have his way with me. And because God said no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he has just proven it and proven it and proven it. When my time is done, my time is done, but i got a race to run here. Right. right? And I am here recruiting. <laughs> That's what I tell everybody. <laughs> I love it. I'm a recruiter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he's the greatest thing. I mean, there's just no other way I could be here and come out of all the things that I have experienced and the things that have happened in my life. There's no greater love story than that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. And you and you gave us well over the amount of information about the book that I thought you were going to. So I really well, appreciate it. I really appreciate that. Think, no, I'm not cutting it. Yeah, I just want okay. people to go read your book because it really is extremely empowering. And I didn't even know about the accident and the airlifting and all the broken bones. Broken bones really do get to me really bad too. Um, I haven't had one. The only thing I've ever had is a torn meniscus. And that was enough to just like freak me out to no end, especially again, like not being mobile or yeah. being on crutches and then am I ever gonna run walk correctly like right. you just don't know the outcome so to lay in what was supposed to be a vacation paradise for a week with a broken back and a broken pelvis and not America let's just say it like that um right. it stops my heart a little bit because <laughs> I put myself in your shoes I'm like what would I do what would I think oh my gosh those thoughts would just eat me alive being uh -huh. there and especially like not knowing and like with your your bones like growing back together before anybody gets to yeah. look at them right like yeah oh my gosh when you were telling me that I was like don't react don't react don't react don't show your face like everything's fine look at her she's totally fine now like 
we don't need to freak out, but I'm like, what yeah, would I right. do in that situation? Exactly. Oh my when goodness. The, surgeon, um, the neurosurgeon first came to see me in, in the U.S. Um, was like, you know, there's a good chance you could be paralyzed. I mean, just the thought that mm -hmm. that could even be a thing, mm -hmm. you know, the, I mean, it, it just was, it became really real really really real I yeah. mean, it was real for the whole seven days of pain and just torture i felt like i was in a torture uh island you yeah know, like, where people were trying to kill me it was crazy which I no, mean, just start to go a no offense to the island i just want to say this is all a spiritual warfare right now this has nothing yeah. to do with how amazing you are no, at accommodating travelers no. yeah Got it all. People are wonderful, and it had nothing to do with that. It just this. Was I mean, all... obviously, just under your circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You have an amazing I've gone story. Crazy. I... Yeah, <laughs> I know. But every the thing I keep getting pulled back to over and over is, and this was the first time that I met you too. You're such a sweet, sweet person, and oh. just for like me. Even seeing you through Zoom, I just feel like you really do have such good intentions. Like, I don't have a guard up when I'm around you by any means. And that usually does come from a lot of people. Like, they're safe spacers, but they're also, like, judgment-free zones. I'm not going to condemn you. You know, yeah. you really are safe here. So even at the part of the story where you were like, I was rigid, I was this, I was this. I had my moments, too, where, like... I was acting the way that wasn't me. I always wanted to be good. I just really didn't know how to go about it or deal with every everybody's BS because I can turn the cheek for a little bit, but man, Jesus has really got the lock on that because I can't be doing it all the time. You know, eventually I'll, I'll stand my ground a little bit. So yes. for you to go through this crazy roller coaster evolution <laughs> And again, like all the stories that I don't know because I haven't read the book yet, you're still such a sweet servant of the Lord. And that's just what I find so fascinating at the end of it is thank God these are all retrospect stories. Yes. And you've seen the silver lining and what's going on around you and who's been there to help you. But I am left with a question. Yes. Usually I never know what full on beliefs people have when it's very faith-based and like yeah. biblically structured, right? Um, do you believe in guardian angels? Oh yeah. Yes. Hands down. Yes. Hands down. There's scripture, scripture passages that talk about mm -hmm. he will send his angels to take charge over you, mm -hmm. um, to guide you, to protect you, to heal you, to comfort you. Oh yes. Oh, yes. I love angels. I love them so I much. So angels. I'm always curious because it's always a hit and miss. You never know like yeah, what people know. really do believe in and don't believe in. And I'm a really big yeah. to each their own. Um, yeah. I don't I don't mind the term God, but I don't mind the term spirit or creator. Unconditional yeah. love. Like I really love putting those two together. Like it's like the most powerful source in the world. Um, yeah. But I'm always curious and I still try to tread lightly on faith-based stuff because I never yeah, really know like what version of the Bible is your right. version of the Bible, you know? Right. I have a yeah, parallel Bible true. and it's still like, well, let me know how to talk to you because like I don't want to offend yeah. you. I really want to learn from you and I really do want to respect your views. Um, right. Mine are very broad. So yeah. I always try to make sure when I have any faith-based anything come on that I really, really understand 
especially the scripture that you're pulling out. But the scripture you're pulling out is supremely poetic and so true. And it just shows oh, that um, it really has been translated a lot of different ways. I mean, especially yeah. when you talk about the tongue, whether you're yeah. using it for good or bad. I mean, right. words are spells. They are energy. They cast energy out into the world to yeah. formulate a reality. And you can use yeah. it to hurt someone or you can use it to inspire someone or help and da 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 um, it always amazes me how kind of ignorant we are sometimes with our words, how we don't think that like they matter. Or, oh, we didn't hurt yeah. your feelings. Um, yeah. So you brought up a lot of really good, really good scripture to point out a lot of other things that I've read differently in other books, I think is the best way. Yeah. I think there's such a connection in any um, religious text. Like I enjoy mm -hmm. reading a lot of them. And I mean, it, it really all just does come back to love. And that's my favorite it really part about it. it. So I love that you're like, it's the greatest love story. And I'm like, absolutely. It is. Yeah. It's the greatest love story. Yeah. yeah. Well, before we get off here, I do want people to know um, where, like, if I want to work with you, um, I can go to your website. Yep. Yeah. You can go to my website if you want to book me as a speaker. If you want me to come, just be a guest on a book club. If you have mm -hmm. a book club and you happen to study a rush like me and Modern Day Mary Magdalene, there's a book club section in the back of the book, mm. a guide. So chapter by chapter, there's three points for every single chapter. Um, you can coach with me one-on-one -on -one as a Christian trauma coach. I work specifically with women on healing sexual shame and trauma. So I would love to work with anybody that way. And yeah, my website, nancymajor.net. Um, that's the easiest way to look me up. It's just my name, nancymajor.net. Or you can go by the title of the book, which is aretchlikeme.com. Either one of those, whichever works. And also, you guys know, if you've listened long enough, that all you got to do is go down to the description and click that link where it says, connect with Nancy here. You can get the book, you can work with her, and then... Hey, she'll even come see you in person, which is really nice. I don't, I don't usually get that offer from a lot of people, so that's great. Well, I look forward to hearing more about all of your future speaking engagements, the, the second memoir, the continuation, and just following your journey. Everyone that I talk to, I really just enjoy just seeing how they evolve and just continue to go up and up, and anyone that's serving humanity, um just has a real special place in my heart. So I really appreciate you coming on today and being so vulnerable and sharing that story because it sure, sure as hell hasn't been easy. And even the broken bones afterwards, man, you really show stopped me on that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Shia. It has been such a joy to be with you today. And I, I just really appreciate the opportunity. Mm -hmm. I am honored to be your guest. I love it. Yeah, well, feel free to come back whenever you want. If you want to add on to your story, if you write another book, please come back and keep us all in the loop with your your story because, wow, wow is the best thing that I could say about it. Like the the most positive 10-star wow ever. I'm just like, I really, I really am impressed with just how truly sweet and like a glowing aura that you have after everything you've been through. It shows a tremendous amount of healing and that's why I really want people to hear your story because you're right. It's like 
I'm a survivor story in a way, and there is a way, and I'm here for you, and I love you, and I see you, and it's yeah. okay, you know, and I, I get that. I really, really get that. It's a really big me too moment for me. So again, I just appreciate it so much. Thank you. Yes. Mwah. Well, friends, before we get off here, you know how I end my episodes. Vitality Exposed is going to bring us a like Saturn clip for about a minute. This is unlike Pluto's other project. So the song is called Edge of Reality, and I hope you enjoy it. You can find it on YouTube if you like it, or you can check out the playlist on Spotify. I love you guys. I'll see you on the next episode. Casting.